Hi everyone, I'm Darren Nair, the creator and host of Pod Hostage Diplomacy. We're currently taking an extended break right now because I'm dealing with health issues. We will be back once I have fully recovered. Thank you so much for listening to Pod Hostage Diplomacy and take care. Welcome to Pod Hostage Diplomacy. We work to free hostages and the unjustly detained around the world. Together with their families, we share their stories and let you know how you can help bring them home. Now, when it comes to using the family to get for Russia to get what they want, if that's the case, they've picked the wrong family because I'm not going to carry water for the Russian authorities. These are some of the most courageous and resilient people among us. I never thought that my mother, Nahi Tagavi, will ever have a link to negotiations in Vienna about the JCPOA. That's so crazy. People who have never given up hope. Trevor told his girlfriend to tell me to, to be strong. So I'm trying to be strong for Trevor. You know, if, if Trevor can cope with what he's dealing with, exactly. we, we can sure cope with the stress. People who will never stop working to reunite their families. We'd like to meet with the president. Uh, we believe that, you know, he has, uh, he's surrounded by lots of uh, experienced and educated advisors, but I don't believe that any of them have ever had a, a child taken hostage by a foreign country, especially not a superpower like Russia. And we'll be right there by their side until their loved one comes back home. Because um, if enough people care, then the right people will care enough. I'm Darren Nair, and I've been campaigning with many of these families for years. When I first started campaigning with these families, I noticed they struggled to get the media attention they needed. So I decided to create this podcast, which is a safe space for the families to speak as long as they need to about their loved ones and what needs to be done to bring them home. Nobody can prepare you for what our family is going through. Even if someone had told me one year before, in one year, this is going to happen, prepare yourself. It's impossible. Thank you for listening and welcome to Port Hostage Diplomacy. Welcome to Port Hostage Diplomacy. Robert Pether is an Australian citizen who has been wrongfully imprisoned in Iraq since 7 April 2021. The United Nations Working Group on Arbitrary Detention has called for his immediate release. We've interviewed Robert's family twice on this podcast. We first spoke to his 18-year-old son, Flynn Pether, and then to his wife, Desiree Pether. Since we last spoke to Desiree, there have been worrying developments with regards to Robert's health and the political situation in Iraq, which has now become more volatile. We'll be speaking to Robert's wife, Desiree Pether, once again on this episode, and she'll be able to tell us more. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Robert's case, here's a quick summary. Robert Pether and his colleague, Khalid Radwan, were both detained in Baghdad on 7th April 2021 after they went to Iraq to resolve a business dispute between the Iraqi government and their Dubai-based employer, CME Consulting. CME Consulting, which is an engineering firm, was working on the new headquarters for the Central Bank of Iraq. The project was hit by delays and increased costs due to the COVID pandemic, and a dispute arose whereby the Iraqi government demanded the return of 12 million US dollars paid to CME Consulting. As a result of this dispute between the Iraqi government and CME Consulting, both Robert Pether and Khalid Radwan, who worked for the company, 
were detained and put in prison. In March this year, the United Nations Working Group on Arbitrary Detention stated that their detention is arbitrary and has called for their immediate release. This same working group also stated the following. Robert and Khaled's imprisonment constituted an enforced disappearance. Their detention is being used to exercise leverage in a commercial transaction in violation of international law. The working group also observed that Robert and Khalid were lured into returning to Iraq on the pretext of assisting in an investigation and have been arbitrarily detained without any legal basis. This working group finds credible the numerous allegations of collusion between the judge and the lawyer for the applicants, the Central Bank of Iraq. Now, we tell all the family members we interview that we will keep campaigning with them until their loved ones come back home. And we mean it. We'll keep our listeners up to date with Robert's case through sitrap pods like this one or breaking news pods. If you haven't already, please do listen to our previous episodes with Robert's family on our website, podhostagediplomacy.com or on your podcast app. Desiree Pether, Robert's wife and the mother of his three children, joins us once again on this episode to give us an update on Robert's situation. Desiree, we're so sorry for what you and your family are going through and we'll do everything we can to help. Now, a lot of things have happened since we last spoke, Desiree. I understand that Robert recently underwent surgery. Can you please tell us more? Robert has a skin condition and he has a lot of moles on his body and has had a lot removed over the years since he was a teenager. And then he's discovered um, a lot of new moles are on his back and he has developed a new mole on the same ear that he had a melanoma previously. And, uh, yeah, we just, he was kind of forced into a corner with regards to going and having what he thought was biopsies, but in fact turned out to be actual surgery and two moles were removed from his back, one on his spine, which resulted in a 15 centimeter wound, which immediately got infected. And um, because he was sent straight back to the overcrowded cell that he shares with 22 other men, and it um, was actually his um, colleague, Khaled, who's in prison with him, who was changing the dressings on the wound um, over the past couple of weeks. So it's it's been pretty hairy. He, he did get quite an infection and he was on antibiotics and also doing lots of other things like taking lots of vitamin C and, and taking raw garlic and doing whatever he could to try and curb the infection. How is Robert doing now? He's not very well at the moment. He's continuing to lose weight. He um, he's you know lost quite a bit of weight, probably half his body weight, and um, he's lost a lot of muscle mass. Uh, his his doctor in um, family doctor was absolutely um, outraged and appalled at the level of atrophy. And uh, I guess that's from 16 months of sitting on the floor in a crowded cell and not having the opportunity to really exercise very much at all or do anything. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's very pale. Um, he's, he, he, he looks very, very unwell. 
and he's still having dizzy spells and blacking out and um, he just hasn't, he's, he's not improving, he's going backwards and his, his health is declining rapidly. I'm sorry to hear that. Now, Australia has a new government and a new prime minister and he recently had a call with the Iraqi prime minister. Can you please tell us more? Recently, there was a call made um, to Prime Minister Kadimi from Prime, in, in Iraq from Prime Minister Albanese in Australia as the new government has formed in Australia in May. And we believe um, that Robert was part of that discussion and um, I haven't really had any more feedback exactly on what happened um, but I can assume that that was the case. And hopefully uh, that has been a step in the, dire- the right direction with regards to um, both countries working together to secure Robert's release. Now, Desiree, I know you and your family are going through the worst period of your lives, but at the same time, you are all very strong and resilient. How are you and the kids doing? Myself and the kids are doing quite well. And it's it's hard, uh, you know. It's um, Flynn is going into his second year of university. He finished school and did his final exams when this was first going on, and when it first happened, Oscar's about to go into his final year of school. And Nala has asked and asked to do a couple of videos, which she has done, and which. You know, we we sent out ourselves. We didn't do it through any media outlets, but it helped her a lot. It gave her some empowerment, and it and she felt like she had done something to help. So, she asked the previous Australian Prime Minister if he could help her dad, and she has asked the new Prime Minister and also Prime Minister Kadimi if if they can please help her dad and bring him home to her. She's determined that he will be home for her birthday in October. So she's wanting to do as much as possible to make that happen. The last time we spoke, you mentioned that you may have to sell your family home because you can't afford to pay Robert's legal fees. What's the situation now? We're still trying to work a way to not have to sell our family home. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a large property, but it was never supposed to be just a family home. And we had plans. Um, I had plans to finish my doctorate in herbal medicine and uh, it was going to be a healing place for women. But, you know, that's all changed now. And uh, we were going to do Food Lovers weekends and other various functions. And we're not sure that we're in the right place emotionally to continue with that dream at the moment. And it's it's really, really hard because it's hard to make huge decisions like that or work out what's the best way to go when you're in such an extreme emotional situation. And uh, it's very, very difficult for Robert to have any input. And even though I ask him all the time and try and give him, you know, some power and control over something, you know, rather than everything being stripped away from him, you know, his, his identity completely. And, you know, I ask him all the time to contribute towards major decisions that are being made, but it's very hard to get that commitment from him in his current situation, which is understandable, of course. And uh, so it's a, it's a fine line. And for the most part, I'm having to do it all myself. Um, we don't 
have a lot of friends here in Ireland, um, which we moved here and then there was COVID and then this happened. So it's it's been quite isolating and it's really just been myself and the three kids. What should the Iraqi and Australian governments be doing? Um, I feel the Iraq and the Australian government could definitely be doing a lot more. Uh, I think that really the the whole case just needs to be looked at again, even if they can just look at the evidence that was completely rejected in other court settings and then it, it would be over very quickly because there's so much evidence, mountains of evidence showing that they're innocent and really it's just an oversight that it wasn't accepted previously and if that was just looked at, it would all be over in, in two seconds. And uh, just regarding his health, uh, they, it's it's just so easy to see, you know, he, he went and saw a dermatologist there and in the public hospital and that's the one that did the two supposed biopsies, which were actual surgeries, the whole mole, the entire moles were removed. And, you know, our, our GP as well, our family doctor was just absolutely appalled that anyone, any dermatologist would not look at the man standing in front of them with an explosion of new moles, a skin condition, a previous history of melanoma and his current state of extreme ill health and actually even touch him and then send him back to a cell, a crowded cell. You know, it just, it's just beyond belief that they actually even did anything and um, it's at a stage where he desperately needs medical attention that can't be provided in Iraq. We've tried for nine months and it just literally cannot be provided in Iraq there isn't the specialist care. They don't have experience with melanomas. And Iraq just really needs to have some compassion and um, and let Robert get the medical help urgently that he needs. The Australian government, the same. I, I just um, can't say it enough. Everyone needs to work together and he's deteriorating each week. He's losing weight every week and he's dizzy. And he's not well at all, and he absolutely needs urgent medical attention. And I, I just feel that if you actually saw the picture of him and uh, that was provided so that for his doctor's reference for the moles and saw the state of him and saw his eyes and the whites of his eyes and how dull they are and he looks like he's got two black eyes because the dark circles under his eyes and just the colour of his skin, he's gone completely grey in the last 16 and a half months. Uh, it's, it's just, it's frightening to look at. He's just an absolute shell of the photos that I've got on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook where you can see that he was a big gentle giant and he's an absolute shell of himself and he looks like a completely different person and he just looks so frail and so ill, and he's just not going to last very much longer while while people decide whether or not they want to do the right thing and actually help him to get out. The U.S. State Department has a special team called the Office of the U.S. Special Presidential Envoy for Hostage Affairs. 
led by Ambassador Roger Carstens, that works on bringing home Americans held hostage and wrongfully detained abroad. Does Australia have something similar? And if not, should they? Definitely, I feel more can be done. And um, the US have now got a special envoy for people who are in the same situation that are US citizens. And I absolutely agree that that's a fantastic move in the right direction. You know, DFAT have a lot of cases on their hands and a dedicated envoy could only be a good thing. Uh, it's, it's very, very hard to deal with the families in this situation. It's an extremely emotional situation. And absolutely having somebody who's dedicated only to that position would um, be such a positive thing. In general, governments all over the world need to do more. You know, when this happened to Robert and I started looking into arbitrary detention, it, it just is such a shock that there's so many cases and it's it's um, other people have reached out and helped me and tried to help guide me through different ways that we can work towards getting him out and um, that have been in the same situation or had a partner in the same situation. And it's it's like a playbook. It's, you know, the same thing over and over. It's the kangaroo court. It's the convicted on hearsay, uh, zero evidence against them, disappearing and being arrested by security forces, not by police. It's fabricated charges. It's the whole thing over and over and over again. And it has to change globally the way that arbitrary detention is dealt with. And that's something that I am very passionate about changing in the future and even changing as much as I can now with regards to the suggestion for um, a, a special envoy being appointed like in America and things like that because it just can't keep happening. There's just entirely too many cases and it needs to be a swift and severe response where governments all work together and all join together and say that this is not acceptable behaviour and you just can't keep taking citizens that are not your own and putting them in this situation. And um, it, it just has to stop and there has to be tougher measures and the UN needs to have more ability uh, apart from issuing the report, there has to be consequences if that report isn't adhered to and uh, and things just definitely need to change in the right direction. Um, it's It's just not acceptable to continue on in this way and for people to be held for years and years with no charges at all against them. What can the public do to help bring Robert home? We just basically need noise. Um, we need people to contact Iraq embassies in their countries or the local, the, the nearest Iraq embassy and and write to them and just say that, you know, Robert Pether is entitled to um, medical treatment. Um, under the Nelson Mandela Act, there, you know, it, there's quite a few violations the violations continue the report from the UN arbitrary detention working group in March uh, has has expired and he you know none of it's been rectified 
and it continues and it's been nearly 17 months and he has a skin condition and he has moles all over his body and he desperately needs specialist medical care. So, um, you know, he's, he's deteriorating every week and he's aged at least 20 years in appearances. Um, and I can't stress enough how, how fragile he looks and how urgent it is and, and how worried we are that, you know, even a virus or anything could be really detrimental to him at this stage. So I just, I need noise. I need support for him. I just, I need as much um, support as people can give spreading the hashtag free Robert Pether and just, um, you know, imploring the Iraq government to do the right thing and um, release him. it's, It's not like he even did anything wrong and you know i know that you know he was found guilty in in their legal system but you know there's the report has said that you know due due, due process wasn't even followed uh and they have tried to show that they're innocent and that that information wasn't accepted so if we can just have an opportunity to do that even it, you know it would all be over in a very short period of time. Desiree, we're almost at the end of our interview. Is there anything else you'd like to mention? I just want to add there's like there is another component to the the urgency of it apart from his declining, rapidly declining health. And that is the situation politically in Iraq at the moment and how volatile it's been the last few weeks with protesting and buildings being stormed. And, um, it, you know, again, today it was very volatile and there was a lot of issues. And, you know, it's, 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 it's very hard to, um, to be concerned about that as well, you know, because we're worried that if something really gets out of control that, that, um, you know, health-wise time is going to go on and it's going to be a huge delay before he actually gets the medical attention. And so it's uh, another component of it and very unfortunate for the people of Iraq, absolutely. And, you know, Robert and I still only wish them peace. It's got absolutely nothing to do with the people themselves, what's happened to him, and it's only a very... Um, a small handful of very, very bad people that have done this. And, um, and you know, it's it's just such a, a bad situation all around. And, you know, I, I wish them peace, but I also wish to get my husband some medical attention and get him home to his family as soon as possible. Desiree, as we've said in all our episodes, we'll keep campaigning to free Robert until he's back home with you and the children. Thank you for taking the time to speak to us. Thank you for listening to Pod Hostage Diplomacy. Thank you for giving your time and for showing these families that they're not alone, that there are good caring people out there willing to stand by their side and help in any way possible. Um, Because if enough people care, then the right people will care enough. Um, This is a basic um, rule of thumb that is true for all campaigning. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our fortnightly newsletter called The Hostage Briefing. 
It's the best way to keep up to date with the cases we're working on, as well as new episodes. You can subscribe to this newsletter using the link in the description of this podcast episode that you're currently listening to. Thanks again, and take care.